Chart Chat is a member of the Tiege.fm network from WTJU Radio. Find out more at Tiege.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Everybody. It's Monday, January 14th, 2019. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the US and UK charts. Caitlin, it's been maybe a little over a month. Far too long, Tanner. We're back together. How are you doing? I'm doing super awesome, fantastic, great. How are you? I'm doing super fantastic, awesome, great, and also excited because Snowpocalypse 2019 is upon us here in Virginia. We're due for almost a foot, it sounds like, this weekend, and it's going to start in a couple hours, so I get to record this and then scramble home before the roads fall apart because nobody here knows how to drive in the snow. (laughs) Also, before we get started, I just want to give a quick note. I apologize for the delay in part four of my album series. It's still coming. There just might be even more albums to talk about. There are like 12. Ooh. It's going to take a while, so I apologize for that. But in the meantime, I can give you something more immediate. I can give you the U.S. chart entries for the week. Debuting at number 100, there's Billie Eilish with all one word here. I don't want to be you anymore. All lowercase, all one word. Debuting at number 98, there's Old Dominion with Make It Sweet. Benny Blanco and Juice World featuring Brendan Urie. Debut at number 95 with Roses. Bad Bunny debuts at number 93 with his song Solo De Mi. Debuting at number 92, there's Midland with Burnout. Debuting at number 91, there's Brett Young with Here Tonight. Debuting at number 87, there's Body by Loud Luxury featuring Brando. Ruin My Life by Zara Larson debuts at number 86. Debuting at number 83, there's Love Wins by Carrie Underwood. Lucas Graham debuts at number 82 with Love Someone. Jake Owen debuts at number 80 with Down to the Honky Tonk. The Country Wave continues with Luke Bryan at number 76 and his song, What Makes You Country. Debuting at number 75, there's Jordan Davis with Take It From Me. And debuting all the way up at number 32, cracking the top 40, we have Pink Fong with Baby Shark. Do-do-do-do-do-do. It's wild. It's wild. Caitlin, are things looking wild over in the UK? What you got? Not particularly. Actually, this week we do not have that many entries. We start all the way down at number 92. Billie Eilish, uh, that is her song, Bellyache. At number 89, we have Billie Eilish again with I Don't Want to Be You Anymore. At number 80, we have NSG featuring Tion Wayne with the song Options. Sam Smith debuts at number 74 with his song Fire on Fire. A Boogie with the Hoodie and 6ix9ine debut at number 73 with Swervin. And our highest entry of the week is a song called Losing It by Fisher, and that comes in at number 68. Tanner, what do you have for us this week? Caitlin, I'm very excited because we get to talk about Bad Bunny. We get to talk about his song, Solo De Mi, because in just a few short years, Bad Bunny has gone from working as a grocery store bagger in his home country of Puerto Rico to winning the hearts and ears of listeners and perhaps podcasters the world over. Feels like just yesterday that I was gushing here in this very studio about his feature on Becky G's Mayores. And then there was his number one smash with Cardi B and J Balvin. 
I like it. And now once again, here in the dead of winter, we are once again graced with the bunny's presence. (laughs) So dramatic. Very dramatic. So back on Christmas Eve, Bad Bunny released his debut album, which I believe is pronounced Por Siempre. Por Siempre. It's spelled X100PRE, but as far as I could tell, it's oh. like a it's like a abbreviation or sort of manipulation of the phrase por siempre, which I believe translates to forever, but I don't know Spanish. Sorry to any Spanish speaking listeners. But he released this album out of the blue on Christmas Eve with very little he announced it the day before and then released it on Christmas Eve. And it notched a really impressive number 11 on the Billboard 200. Admittedly, part of this is no doubt due to the fact that the last track on the album is Bad Bunny's song with Drake, Mia. But I like to think that there are other reasons for the album's commercial success that go beyond Drake's hit-making abilities. And for a small taste of those reasons, let's listen to the latest single from that album, Solo de Mi. say that this album might already be showing up on my year-end list in general i think it's fantastic and i think this song particularly the clip we played does such a good job of encapsulating bad bunny's sort of foundational strength which is his ability to blend these different styles and moods over the course of the album and also as we heard in this clip sometimes within the same song I'm certainly a sucker for a beat switch, and I think this is a particularly good example of one. The first half of it, a reggaeton ballad, sort of. You have the reggaeton beat, and then you also have this very uh, muted piano in the background. Bad Bunny's doing his thing, and then all of a sudden, off in the distance, you get the air raid sirens. And then you get the the trap beat that comes in. You've got the maybe a kalimba or some sort of... Uh, is that the is that the term for the instrument, Caitlin? I know you know more about this. Um, I usually just call them thumb pianos because they have a ton of different names, yeah. Definitely. And those have shown up in a lot of the tracks you've talked about, a lot about the, the UK hip-hop tracks. Uh, it's a really refreshing timbre to hear in this song. And if you listen to that second half of the clip that we played once the tempo picks up, the beat goes back and forth between trap rhythms and then reggaeton rhythms. The placement of the snare, 
And it's particularly interesting once the snare goes back to the reggaeton pattern in the very end of the clip that we played. It's an, it doesn't really sound like a snare drum. It almost sounds like a sound that's been played backwards and then compressed. That has this really thuh, thuh, thuh. Like it's, there's something really weird about that snare tone. And it's very forward in the mix. It's really in your face. And it just makes that even more striking, especially because it already comes off the heels of the previous two-thirds of the song being a more sort of down-tempo piano ballad. Can I ask a question? I suppose. <laughs> I'll allow it. Um, so to my ears, on my first listen, uh, that kind of the snare that was so forward in the mix, it sounded like a mistake to me. I was listening to it like, wow, all I hear is boom, 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 like, is that what they want? And so I'm just curious as to hear your thoughts on like, not to get inside Bad Bunny's head, but like get inside this production of like, why do you think that the vocals are lower in the mix than that snare? I definitely think it's intentional. Um, In general, this is an album that has a subtle, almost covert level of sonic experimentation going on i forget the track but there is a song on this album that just sneaking in there at the very end it sounds like his voice is skipping like a cd if there's a scratch on a cd and it skips that shows up at some point so i think having this sort of exaggerated mixing choice in that last part of the song i think is definitely intentional just in keeping with the rest of the album, but I think also particularly in the context of this individual song, I think it, again, amplifies that contrast. Can I ask a follow-up? Oh, yes, by all means. We talk a lot about, especially when we're talking about rappers, about kind of like varied tone, varied like rhythms and kind of technical skill and ability. So I'm curious to hear anything you have to say about like his vocals, like whether it's Tamberly or whatever, because I personally find them like incredibly boring usually because it's just kind of like, and it's like that through the whole (laughs) thing. And like, I was in some ways thankful for the snare because it was keeping me like, Ooh, okay, there's, there's something, there's a song being played. And that might be a little bit too critical. Like, I don't mean to be that critical, but I think I've explained myself. No, that's a really good question. I think that cuts to the heart of what I find sort of ineffable about Bad Bunny's music. As opposed to him being an artist who changes his vocal approach a ton, depending on the song, it feels like he maintains the same vocal approach. And somehow there's something about that vocal approach that is flexible enough to work with these different styles. Like I was messaging you a couple days ago and I was like, Caitlin, there's a song in this album that's basically a Blink-182 song. What is happening? (laughs) This is hilarious, but it still works. Part of it might just be whatever sort of variation of taste and, and just ineffable presence or preference rather. There's something about his ad libs, the sort of choked like inhalation, that thing that I just, love it's one of my favorite ad-libs from any sort of major rapper musician singer right now but i think i think he shared i i don't think it's a coincidence that he collaborated with drake i think there's a resonance there 
I don't think he's as flexible as Drake vocally is, but I think there's something similar in terms of the nuances to the melodies, the, the sort of melodic contours that are hidden within the more straight ahead sort of rapping. But I also don't think that song with Drake is particularly good. But in any case, we're going to go ahead and move on to the second track that I want to talk about this week, as you could probably imagine from this list of entries. It's one of the country tracks. It's Make It Sweet by Old Dominion. And I can't remember, Caitlin, have we talked about Old Dominion before? Yeehaw! Yes. That was my best yeehaw country. Yeehaw! That was a very emphatic yeehaw. I'm impressed. You do still live in Virginia, so so that's understandable. But briefly, just to recap, they're a country band that, as the name suggests, has plenty of roots here in Virginia. A couple members are from Roanoke. A couple members went to JMU, which is James Madison University. And as with most mainstream country artists, though, you moved to Nashville if you want any success. That's what they did. And the band members individually soon found success writing songs for more established acts like Blake Shelton, Kenny Chesney. But by 2015, Old Dominion was breaking big with their own music. That year, they had their song Break Up With Him, which marked the beginning of a string of platinum-selling top five country hits that continues to this day, along with a pair of albums that cracked the top 20 of the Billboard 200. And this new song, Make It Sweet, is Old Dominion's first single from their upcoming third album, which, as far as I could tell, at least according to a Rolling Stone interview from the end of last year, apparently this new album is due sometime this spring. Couldn't find anything about a title, but let's listen. Once again, this is Old Dominion. Make it sweet. Open sky, glimpse of heaven. Take the top off the CJ7. Let that surfside sand and a wind mess up your hair. And let that windshield frame the ocean. Radio keep coast to coasting. If we don't get where we're going, baby, I don't care. This is one of those songs that I can very easily imagine being a train wreck. I can imagine <laughs> it being insufferable, corny, chintzy, cloying, whatever sort of derogatory. It sounds like it could be a jingle. But instead, true to the title, to me it comes off as very sweet. At the heart of the song, there's this really nifty lyrical conceit. Plenty of country songs got to have a good lyrical conceit. But you have it iterated in multiple ways sort of drawing on these common phrases or expressions or what have you. Short and sweet, life is short, and these multiple sort of honey-sugar metaphors that are a little weird, but they fit with the song. So you've got some nice lyrical twists along the way, and I think what really sells me on this song are the vocals. I think there's something about the vocals that have enough of the sort of 
twang and grit and, for lack of a better term, earthiness that you associate with country music that I think undercuts the sweetness inherent in the song. I think if you had my worst nightmare of the song is a YouTuber who does ukulele covers and turns songs into these just like hollowed out jingles. Wow, what a nightmare. My worst nightmare <laughs> is someone because there's a, there's a universe in which that is what the song sounds like and it's terrible. But I think I think the vocals here are what prevent that song from veering off into that sort of super saccharine territory for me. But I don't know if you feel differently. What you thinking? Um, I have a couple of thoughts that I'd like to share. Uh, the first one is, do you remember when we talked about Blake Shelton's song, I'll Name the Dogs? I think that was one of your picks a while ago. Absolutely. So lyrically, it reminds me a lot of that. So Blake Shelton kind of says these things like, girl things, boy things. Like, you find the spot and I'll find the money. You be the pretty and I'll be the funny. Like rhymes, perfection. And it's just so like explicitly gender binary that it's, it works, it works, whatever. So it, it clearly, I think, follows in that vein, that endearing like, oh yeah, like you name the kids and I'll name the dogs. Love you. So anyway, that was kind of an aside. So I think its popularity might have had a precursor that was that kind of Blake Shelton-y type of song. The second thing I have to say, I'm going to give myself a brief plug here. While I was at UVA, I wrote a paper for a folk music class about bro country and bow country because I didn't like folk music. So there's this really clear dichotomy, especially in like Billboard Hot 100 country, not necessarily the hot country chart, but like the ones that make it into the chart that you talk about every week, Tanner. And I vividly recall another paper that a student wrote for me about a song called Snapback, back from 2015. This is an Old Dominion song that has lyrics such as, strictly out of curiosity, what would happen if you got with me? Kissing you would hit the spot for me. Come on, skip a couple rocks with me. That is the opening verse to the song Snapback. So all I kind of want to point out here is that Old Dominion is going in a different direction from which they started. It was a little bit more, I guess, upfront, bro, like, hey, girl. And now it's kind of like, life is sweet. You are sweet. Sugar is sweet. Honey is sweet. You know, so I just think it's interesting. Caitlin, you know what else is sweet? What? The UK chart entries. Are they? Well, I don't know. Let's find out. I'm excited. Wow. I feel like I've been set up. Okay. <laughs> okay. UK chart entries this week. We are going to start out with the one and only Sam Smith. He has a new song out. It's called Fire on Fire. And it has been paired with the trailer for a new Netflix original series called Watership Down. For those of you who did not read this book in, I guess it would be like high school or something like that. Maybe middle school, end of middle school. Uh, Watership Down is kind of like a survival adventure novel written by an English author. His name is Richard Adams, and that book was published in the early 1970s. It's set in southern England, and the story features not humans, but a small group of rabbits. So although the rabbits kind of live outdoors, like in their natural environment, they are basically like humans, so they 
process their own culture. They have a language. It's interesting. So Sam Smith's song goes along with this. I have thoughts. I'm going to keep them to myself and just let you listen. Again, this is Fire on Fire. My mother said I'm too romantic She said you're dancing in the movie I almost started to believe her Then I saw you and I knew Maybe it's cause I got a little bit older Maybe it's all that I've been through I'd like to think it's how you lean on my shoulder And now I see myself with you I don't say a word But still you take my breath And still the things I know There you go Saving me from out of the Together we're winners They say that we're out of control And some say we're sinners But don't let them ruin Our beautiful rhythms Cause when you unfold me And tell me you love me And look in my eyes You are perfection My only direction It's fire on fire It's fire on Let's talk about the good. Let's start with the good. The first good thing, the French horn at the end of the clip. I just noticed that. That's really cool. The second thing, no choir vocals. You go, Sam Smith. Not hiding behind the choir anymore. Love it. Another good thing, the strings are so beautiful in this song. All of the string parts are performed by BBC's Concert Orchestra, And it was recorded at London's Abbey Road Studios. What an absolute dream these instrumentals are. Okay. Here's the bad and the ugly, as Caitlin sees it. This song is so predictable. It's another Sam Smith power ballad. The melody is very boring. It reminds me a lot of Adele's Skyfall Bond theme. Uh, But I think this one just kind of misses that mark totally. I mean, given the link to a show about rabbits instead of a link to like a world-class spy, I kind of maybe can give him the benefit of the doubt. In my research this week, Tanner, forgive me. I'm going to read a couple quotes from an article that I found. It's written by Mark Beaumont. He writes for The Independent. This is what... The title of his article on Sam Smith's latest is titled Fire on Fire Review. Watership Down Song Sounds Like It Was Recorded on a Diet of Seeds and Lettuce. Here are two short quotes. One, the song itself resembles another crack at a Bond theme that Smith lost interest in just before the big blockbuster chorus. Couldn't agree more. Second quote, Smith's bog-standard orchestral soul track is lyrically about bursting with palpitating lust, but sounds like he gave up trying to achieve arousal some hours ago. I also agree with that. I just have this gut reaction to this song of wishing that it did so many things that it doesn't do. One of which is 
Sam Smith kind of exploring his lower range a little bit more because he starts kind of at the top in his falsetto in the chorus, fire on fire, and then it just kind of goes down from there. Like, why not just kind of make it punchy and a little gravelier? I don't know. I also wish there was some kind of, not a drop, but you know what I mean? Like some kind of opening up of some kind of pit of instrumentals, something like a that would give the song a little bit more of a backbone or some structure in the choruses, especially something like a nice deep synth just to kind of like hold the strings. Ah, it, it, I can hear it in my head. I just don't know how to describe it. And then I guess kind of lastly, the song is supposed to be really like romantic and kind of sexy and sultry and it almost borderlines lullaby in my ears if I take away the actual words going back in time if Sam Smith could have collaborated with anyone on this I think the weekend would have been a good choice uh, given the I guess subject matter of the song or maybe even somebody like Demi Lovato who I think is a way more soulful singer than Sam Smith I just think he sounds bored and I'm bored and it was hard for me to listen to this week Tanner feels very very differently so he's going to give us more of the good, I think. Tanner, speak. Absolutely. I. This is two for two now, where Sam Smith has done a movie song that nobody likes, and I think is <laughs> rather fantastic. So the first of those is his song Writings on the Wall for the Bond film Spectre, which is a fantastic song saddled with a so-so movie. And while I can't speak for the quality of this adaptation of Watership Down, this song really impresses me as well. And I want to perhaps be so bold as to say that if this song was sung by a woman, that people would not have as many issues. I think Sam Smith's music is all... I, I think the, the... What was it? The Guardian or The Independent? Whoever, whoever that... I'm sure that critic is lovely. But I listen to those excerpts and I read those excerpts and I feel like that just fundamentally misunderstands what Sam Smith's music is about. And as I've talked about before, I'm, I'm no Sam Smith die hard. Uh, I find his use of choirs in his more pop facing material, very aggravating as we've talked about before. And that's part of why I really like this work that he's doing for film. I think it cuts to the core of what Sam Smith is kind of all about in a nutshell, which is, yes, there's desire and there's love, but there's always that undercurrent of vulnerability and sadness. But this song doesn't seem like it lyrically. So I might push back on that. And like he opens up with, my mom said I was too romantic, but he's proven true. He gets his way, right? Like romantically in this, according to this song. And then it's like fire on fire. Usually doesn't work, but guess what? It does, and I'm so in love. Ah, uh, that's and see, that's not true. I think to what Sam Smith's output is usually like. He's usually more like depressing love song, and this one, I feel like he wanted to do that, but it doesn't make sense for lyrically. It doesn't make sense to go with that style. I still, I get what you're saying. I think that there's something about that conflict that i think actually works it feels it feels low-key uh sort of dramatic 
Like the words are saying one thing. The words are saying all this passion and desire, but also deep down there's this acknowledgement that something is going to go wrong. There is something looming in the distance, and I can't say for sure whether or not that lines up with the plot beats of Watership Down. My understanding is that it's a fairly depressing kind of dire book. I don't know if that's actually true or not. So that might be coloring slightly where I'm coming from. Like This makes me think of that, I, I believe I've mentioned this before, but that song that Georgia Smith did with Stormzy, Let Me Down, it's very stately, it's very, those harps are gorgeous. It feels very, the, the, the conflict that you're identifying feels intentional to me. In that song, I get it. In this one, I still don't. Totally, yeah. totally. But when I hear the words from that sort of critic, I'm like, like it feels like what that critic really wants to say is like he's not enough of a man. And it's like, okay, critic, settle down. See, I don't get that. I totally didn't read that. I mean, like, I was so bored of the song that, like, I had, I think the song or that reading that critic's review made me like the song more. Because just, like, reading and being like, yeah, that's, it is. It, it sounds like he's bored. It sounds like he's in a, almost in a rut artistically. And we've talked a lot about artists like Lady Gaga and what she's going to do next. Or, you know, uh, I don't know. I just, like, I want to like it. I really, I just, there's no way. There's just two, the, the cons outweigh the pros. And I don't know. I don't know if it has anything to do with like the gender type of thing, like your traditional gender roles, but man, I was I was just I disappointed by this, I guess. I don't know what I'd ever use this song for, talking about like the utility of pop music. I don't know if it would ever serve a purpose in my life to listen to this. I would use this song for unfulfilled romantic longing. Unfulfilled romantic longing. Laying on the couch thinking about someone that you know you can never be with, and they know it too, but fate will keep you apart. I don't have time for that. (laughs) And I have too much time for that. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, let's get out of this. Let's talk about a club track. Let's go to Fisher. Woo! Uh, We're going to talk about losing it next. This is the highest entry this week over in the UK, and one that I'm thankfully a little bit more partial to and the Sam Smith track. You will probably be able to pinpoint a couple reasons why I'm more partial to this track based on the critique of Sam Smith that you just heard. But I think, to begin with, Fisher probably needs a little bit more of an introduction than Sam Smith does, so I will happily oblige. Fisher, otherwise known as Paul Fisher, is an Australian house and techno producer based in Los Angeles, He makes music not only under his solo stage name, Fisher, all caps, but he was also making music as part of an Australian DJ duo called Cut Snake for a while, and that might be over now, but they still have a lot of tracks on Spotify. They're a little bit more, or they sound a little bit more rudimental in terms of what we have now from Fisher. Also, in his past life, he was a professional surfer, what a dude like are you kidding me he was just like world tour surfed all the time blah 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 and then like you know what i want to do music now who does that that's so cool anyway he's been making his own music since 2010 but he's kind of only gained popularity and success over the past two or three years 2017 
was his breakout year, and he definitely continued the role in 2018. He's been racking up millions of streams on Spotify, and we've recently received word that the track you're about to hear has received a Grammy nomination for Best Dance Recording in this year, 2019 Grammys. Very exciting. One to watch. Also, during the week of December 22nd, 2018, going back to last year, he ascended to the number one spot on Billboard's Dance Club Songs chart. By the way, he's also toured pretty much the entire world between surfing and DJing. Super jealous. On his current tour, he's in Europe and also South America. I'm just so impressed. I don't get this way a lot by like new artists, maybe because I can't find out a lot about them. But anyway, let's listen to Losing It. What don't I love about this song? The answer is probably the ending. I think it could have faded out a little better. But, oh wow, the distorted horn sound that just comes in hot. Like, yes, yes. Everyone in pop music do that more. The vocal sample bumps. Although I do wish he would have done a little bit more with it. Chopped it up a little, played with it. I think that would have created a really good opportunity to build and then drop, like using the vocal sample to lead into a drop. Just a personal opinion. The bass is really warm and friendly. I like it. The synth lines are very just enough, so it's not super repetitive club, as a lot of, I guess, club and dance tracks tend to be. And the drops are okay. They're not super heavy, but I think we've been getting away from that, especially in club tracks that chart. Tanner is nodding his head and agreeing with me, which I always love. (laughs) Overall, I just think uh, there's definitely room for growth here. And I'm super excited to see what Fisher comes out with next because of my affinity for the instruments and timbres he already uses. It's really cool. I was surprised to see this track tanner you have any thoughts you'd like to share yeah i'm i'm happy to say that unlike the sam smith divergence we are pretty close in agreement on this one i'm also way into this track 
some of the some of the things that frustrate you about it don't really bother me that much like the ending or the vocal chopping i think the ending in particular the fact that it just kind of rides the groove out and then just suddenly ends that's a sign of like a straight up club track you know if it's a club track you want it to be very conducive to mixing to putting in the middle of a set and that's what you do to do that so listening as a standalone i get what you mean in terms of being like a little okay there, there could be some more pacing and stuff but i think you're going to get that with almost any sort of traditional club track that for whatever reason breaks into the mainstream in this sense up at number what was it 62 or something like that i similarly agree with the distorted horn stuff i don't know if that's actually the sort of stuff you see in grime but it reminds me of that the very just kind of it's a little i think a lot of grime tracks are they use a little bit more sine wave so it's a it's sounds more distorted and more crunchy if that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. a little less rounded around the edges definitely yeah that makes sense I'm also really into, I think, the heart of the song and what makes it work for me. Besides the mixing, everything is really crisp and easy to pick out. There's a lot of space to sort of mentally move around in, metaphorically speaking. That it's sort of lower mid-range, that two-note figure. To me, that is the heart of the song. That is the anchor that everything moves around and it... Like you said, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't become hyper repetitive. And I think that's because it just nails that balance between there's a bit of a melodic element. It's just that half step going back and forth. There's a bit of that rhythmic element. And it just, like everything else about the song, it really just locks together really seamlessly. And I'm kind of curious if he was as good of a surfer as he is a producer because this is a pretty good first entry. (gasps) So... Reach out to us, Paul Fisher. Would love to hear from you. Homework for us, homework for listeners, homework for someone. But yeah, in general, I think it's a really impressive song. There's there's a lot to like, and similar to you, I'm excited to see what comes next. Well, Tanner, it's about that time. Time for what, listeners might ask, because we haven't done this in a while. Time for Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. <laughs> I'm a little excited to be back, as you can probably tell. And I'm especially excited because our pick of the week, it's Solo Demi. It's Bad Bunny. It is what I hope winds up being the latest in a continuing trend of success for Spanish-speaking artists. There's been a lot of hubbub. We've talked about it. Others have talked about it. The post-Esposito landscape. And my hope is that similar to the success you see from K-pop groups, singing in a language other than English. My hope is that this doesn't wind up being just another flash in the pan like you saw at the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. That sort of brief, quote-unquote, Latin music bubble that had its brief crossover moment and then kind of went back away. My hope is that this is something more sustained, and I don't really know. There's Ozuna, there's J Balvin, but I don't know if there's anyone who's more primed, who's a better candidate to sustain this chart presence of reggaeton of latin trap of whatever you call it than bad bunny caitlin any other thoughts i'm gonna pick up where i left off in our discussion when you chose it as your pick i again was admittedly turned off at first by how forward the drums are in the mix but you cannot deny that this song just moves it does seem 
monotone maybe like I said before about the vocals or clunky given that prominent snare but once you get to the second half of the song in the clip that Tanner played earlier wow that had such strong BTS vibes and that's funny that you mentioned them because that's kind of where I was going I forget the track that you were just in love with last year what was that called oh you mean mic drop Mic drop. That's exactly it. It reminded me of a little bit more reserved instrumental from Mic Drop. And overall, I think given tracks like King's Dead and Sicko Mode, we're seeing an increasing amount of songs with sometimes jarringly different sections entering into the pop charts. And I really can't say that I'm mad about it. I think it's sonically interesting and surprising. And that's not a lot of what we get from the pop charts usually. The trap, br- super briefly before we close out here, the mention of Sicko Mode is interesting. I wonder if there's a comparison to be made between Bad Bunny and Travis Scott, since mm. both are, I think Bad Bunny has a more readily identifiable vocal persona, but I think both of them are slightly similar in that they don't have that flexibility that you were talking about earlier, and it's to the point where their voice almost becomes just one more layer in the broader sort of soundscape as opposed to the number one focal point. But I have to think about that more. I don't know if I actually believe that or if I'm just winging it, but it's a great track. It's a great album. Go listen to it, especially that Blink-182 song. It's so weird. It's like the fifth <laughs> song or something on it, uh, something like that. But uh, Caitlin, go ahead and bring us home. All righty. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to Chart Chat. If you would like to listen to all of this past week's chart debuts, you can find a Spotify playlist in the show notes. And if you have any questions, feedback, or corrections, you can always get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in following us on social media, please do. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at chartchatcast. Chart Chat's intro theme was written by Peter Kelly and our cover art made by Billy Phillips, both from Coronation Media. Coronation Media is a creative studio specializing in video production, animation, and graphic design. To learn what they can do for your company or organization, visit www.coronationmedia.com. Chart Chat is also a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Tanner. And we will catch you next week. No soy tuyo ni de nadie, yo soy solo de mí. No me vuelvas a decir, bebé. Ya tú lo sabes que yo no estoy ni un poquito pa' ti No me vuelvas a decir